This recording is made up of four parts. There is a little sound identifying the beginning and end of the parts. So we're going to be talking about listening um, in a deeper way, in a way that's different from everyday listening, and how taking a pause makes that possible. And Serge and I are going to start right in demonstrating the first of three actual skills we're going to show you today for facilitating pausing in interpersonal and group situations. So right now we're going to demonstrate what I call passive listening. Instead of his usual wonderful uh, active listening reflections, Serge will just be quiet during my turn. The power of Passive listening is simply non-interrupted opportunities to speak. So I will speak, and then Serge will have a turn to say whatever comes up in him. And I hope you'll notice that when we speak without fear of being interrupted, we automatically start to sink down into the pause, our deeper felt experiencing instead of the arguments we always have ready in our mind when we think we're going to be interrupted. So I'm going to stop there and let Serge have a response, a turn, whatever. Good, good. So it's always interesting when you do something experientially um, that even things you know come in a fresh way. And so... Um, it has a different quality for me to be experiencing this with you this way because as you set the rule that we're actually doing this and this is a passive listening um, I pay attention to what happens and you know um, several things happen one is when I listen when we listen in a conversation there's always a wanting to uh, to have an argument with what's happening. And so there's a holding back quality into that kind of passive listening. So while it's passive in the sense of it's not repeating, it's not trying to do something there, it's not really totally passive in the sense that it requires an effort uh, to, to, to hold my horses, you know, to not go and say something. Um, and... Um, and, and so um, it's not so easy, it's not so obvious, and it's nice to be aware that it can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I notice that I have to listen. I'm not ignoring what you're saying, getting ready to fight back and have my say. I'm not trying to get jump in there. I'm actually listening. I can relax into listening. I can hear something new that stimulates a new thought in me, and this is what gives the possibility of conflict resolution from this, or decision-making from this very simple, non-interruption, passive listening structure. Yeah. So I listen. I'm even becoming more centered, closer to the pause by listening. I could write things down if I get my responses coming. Just write them down and go back to listening. So it's a very powerful procedure. And you will find people, if you try to do this in a group or if you jump into a, a conflict with family members or at a meeting or between uh, friends, people are pretty resistant to not interrupting. And just listening. It is a powerful but very simple intervention. Surge. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And so I appreciate uh, pointing out both that it can be very powerful and that it can be difficult. And I also want to highlight something that's happening uh, as a, one of the limitations of the technical tools we have. Only you appear in the screen. And uh, so in a, in a way, it's not an accurate rendition of each of us taking turns talking. But on the other hand, it's a wonderful rendition of the fact that each person in this kind of passive conversation is going to have a moment where they're talking, 
but a moment where they're listening. And so what the viewer sees as I'm talking is sees you nodding your head and actually being very much in a listening mode. So mm-hmm. in contrast to say more active forms of listening, yeah, it is passive. But again, um, you are shifting from paying attention to what you want to say to paying attention to what I'm saying and uh, with your uh, whole body language indicating that's what you are. And that mm-hmm. creates an opening. You know, so when you said earlier that this kind of passive listening uh, is actually a very good way to, uh, to, to deal with difficult things and conflicts, uh, part of what makes it so is that uh, the person who's talking has the experience of having in front of them a person who is actually listening and showing it. Mm-hmm. And maybe this will be our last round before we move on to the other two techniques. I do want to say, uh, especially in the political situation we've gone through on the television programs, uh, you did not see listening. What you saw was interruption. Each speaker, each panelist giving out their sound bites, their rigid sound bites that were never going to change, the other people interrupting them to give their sound bites. There was no opportunity for anything new to happen, for anyone to hear something that might change their perspective. And that was a very sad thing as far as I'm concerned. All they needed was a simple non-interruption structure, and people run out of steam with their arguing tone or they're wanting to scream. You can't, it doesn't get fueled if there's no interrupting. And it would make such a difference, you know, worldwide in every situation if people could simply stop interrupting each other and allow everybody to speak from their deeper meanings, their felt experiencing, from the radical pause. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All this, the radical listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you're okay with that... No, actually, I would prefer to add a little something, because um, when you mention the uh, example of a political debate, um, I think that it's very helpful to think that actually such a debate is not a discussion and uh, is absolutely not something that we can take as a model for the discussions we want to be productive um, you know, a political debate has much more to do with a boxing match or some other competitive sport where you win by knocking out the opponent than about uh, finding some kind of a common uh, ground. And uh, and so uh, I think it's very helpful to to remember that and to say there may be some situations in life where talk is an aggressive weapon. For instance, in a political game, if you're in court in an adversarial system or things of that nature, and uh, different rules apply when actually the goal of discourse is to find some uh, resolution. Now we're going to talk about a second way of listening, which we call active listening. And active listening is the most uh, clearly uh, referenced to Carl Rogers' work in creating empathic listening, reflective listening, and it's sometimes called active listening because that gets across to the listener that they're going to be actively trying to understand what the other person's trying to communicate and give that back to the other person so that the speaker can correct them. Uh, my friend Edwin Roosh at the Center for a Culture of Empathy and Compassion has created a simple, like, two-page handout called How to Host an Empathy Circle. That's what he calls them. And what I like is that he has the speaker teaching the listener. Instead of Kathy having to come in and say, okay, this is how you're going to do listening. You're going to set aside your judgments. You're going to uh, do this and that. 
the simplest way to be able to hand this out and let anybody attempt it is for the speaker to say to the listener, uh, no, that's not quite right, or mm, I didn't say this part. And, and so in an empathy circle, each person gets a turn as the speaker with a listener, and then the listener has the next person next to them. The listener becomes the speaker, and the other person becomes the listener. It's a simple round-robin structure. The speaker keeps speaking until they feel like they can say, I feel totally heard. And the listener's job is to try to say back what the speaker is saying. So now we will demonstrate that, and Serge will say back some of what I've been saying. I've been going on quite a while. It would be difficult for a beginner, beginning listener. But he's going to give me an active listening reflection of at least part of what I've said. And so, uh, as as happens, it's not a perfect science, and there is a trial and error quality. Um, so, uh, Kathy, what you were talking about is that um, the listener um, is capturing what the speaker is saying, um, and that the uh, speaker is actually very instrumental in making that happen by giving instructions, giving feedback to, yeah, 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 that's what I said, or mm, no, that's not what I said, or yeah, this, this is missing. Uh, so in a way, as the listener, I don't have to worry too much about doing a perfect job because as the listener, you're going to add something or tell me, um what I might have missed. Yes, exactly. So the speaker is responsible also for checking, is that what I said? So even though we have not trained our speakers in Genlin's focusing, which is this con- conscious process of checking that we'll teach in part three, again, automatically and naturally, the speaker starts to check inside. Hmm, is that what I said? Does that get it? Well, where are they going to find the answer to that question unless they pause, again, our radical pause, and then make words out of that? So the speaker is also learning, mm-hmm. focusing, when they're getting active listening. You can say that back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just for instance right now, um, when you end, you say, okay, say that back. So you are, um, you know, uh, managing the process, and um, as the speaker, uh, you have an active role when you listen what the listener is saying, because as you listen to me, the listener, playing back what you said, uh, you know, there is that curiosity about, is this what I said? Does it feel right? And, yeah, if it feels right, yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't, you know, oh, wait a minute, you know, there's this that was missing or this that should be that way. Yes. And so now I'm going to say that I feel fully heard, and I'm going to offer Serge if he would like. It's awkward because we won't be able to see his face, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but to show the round-robin, equal-time, peer-counseling nature of this, I offer you, sir, that you could speak, and I'll be your listener. Hmm. So, um, it feels right. You know, we didn't talk about it before, but it feels right as a way of demonstrating uh, the the process. And also, it feels right in the sense of having you in both roles, and um, in the sense of emphasizing that, you know, active listening is essentially something that's done with the spirit of being peers so that uh, the changing roles makes it different from, say, a therapist-to-client relationship when one person is a listener and the other person is a speaker. Yes, and, I, and if he had gone on as a beginning listener, I might have said, would it be okay to stop there so I can say you back while I can hold on to it? So I'm going to say back, hopefully. Uh, so we hadn't talked about it ahead of time, but you kind of checked inside and you said, well, yes, it would make sense for me to have a turn. And in part because it would show Kathy being in both roles as the speaker and as the listener. 
And it would also demonstrate that this is uh, an equal method, a peer counseling method, where each person can be the helper or the helpee, unlike the therapeutic relationship, which is the therapist is always the listener and the client is always the speaker. And that's important to capture. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so just in a way right now, uh, what's happening is I say, yeah, yeah. And um, I was not, you know, it just came naturally. And this is what happens as part of the process of active listening, is that when you feel heard, um, what's happening is a sense of nodding, a sense of saying, yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, we can be talking, in this case, we're talking about things where we're pretty much in sync. But what I have noticed time and again is even when people talk about things where they're having very diverging opinions, um, during the moment of the listener repeating what they've heard, uh, the speaker nods because we're in agreement about that's what, that's what the speaker said. And uh, I also like the fact that during the time that I speak, what the video shows is you because there's that nodding, that quality of receiving that's there. And uh, that's a very, very important part of this process, is that, that there's that visual confirmation that what I'm talking about is not going into thin air, but is being received by somebody who's really taking it in. And okay. may not agree with me, but taking it in. Okay, and again, as a beginning listener, I would want to stop and make sure. And it's okay to stop the person and say, okay, that's as much as I can say that. So immediately, Serge was noticing that he was nodding and saying, yes, 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 that is it. And that's important to you, Serge, as an it, it made a light bulb go off like, oh, this whole process, even though we might not be agreeing about what we're talking about, we are coming into a, an agreement or a convergence at that moment when I, as the speaker, say, yes, yes, you got it. You got what I'm trying to say. I'm not sure I got everything else, but that seemed really important to you. Like, wow, yeah, you can yeah. be different and you can still understand and, and touch base there. And, and you give me an opportunity to actually introduce a little correction. So that's a, which is a wonderful part of the process. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for instance, you just, you said, and it made a light bulb go off. Okay. And that was not either what I said or what I meant. So mm -hmm. again, whether I said it or didn't, it's mm -hmm. not so much, this is not about accuracy. This is about getting more in touch with what I want to say. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I certainly, I meant uh, it's something that I've noticed time and again, as opposed mm -hmm. to a light bulb came off right now. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of this little example is it shows that, you know, as a listener, you don't have to be uptight about, oh my God, am I going to miss it? And sometimes even missing it can be incredibly productive because mm -hmm. it helps the listener say something, oh, no, wait a minute, and, and see it. And it helps, um, you know, crystallize meaning. Mm -hmm. So you're having an opportunity to show how even if you have to correct the listener, that can be a powerful experience, both for the speaker, who's had to check and say, well, that isn't exactly what I meant, and for the listener to know, hey, you know, I'm not God or anybody. I'm just doing my best. It's not a big deal. And the and the fact that I made a mistake was actually helpful to the speaker. And you're, what you're pointing out is I said, oh, a light bulb went off. And you're saying, no, not really. I knew this. I've seen this over and over again, this moment of convergence. And as you're speaking, I'm reminded I missed the in my first reflection, this whole part you had said about it gives the listener a freedom to make mistakes, to know that even uh, a mistake or a need for correction, it just furthers the process on both sides. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm keeping repeating, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this is not a listening response, but a teaching response. Whenever he does that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Where is he checking? He's checking inside. There's no yeah, yeah from his head. It's like, yeah, that fits. That fits my felt sense. That fits my felt experiencing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to show, that passive listening and then even more powerfully active listening helps the speaker go deeper into what their real meanings are, their deeper meanings. And that's the radical pause. New things come out when you speak from felt experience. And that's what's radical about pausing. Something new happens. So you could say that back or we could I would like to say say that back. I would like to say that back, but I would like to also add a little something. So um the you know the pause so you're saying me back first. Yeah, yeah. Before the pause is is radical because it allows new things to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is big. And that is why we want to teach these listening skills mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. things are not going to change in a person, in a conflict, in the world unless people can source all of this rich inner wisdom from which change comes. And that was Jenlin's huge contribution, was pointing to all this implicit knowledge and the, the creativity and the, the forward movement in there. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 yeah, so that related to the pause is that capacity for tapping into all that inner creativity and making something happen, you know, letting yes. something happen, allowing so, allowing ourselves to connect with something fresh that we may not have seen otherwise. And change the world, change situations. But I'm going to stop you. Also, everybody saw me going, yes, yes, I'm checking. So uh, I feel fully heard, and uh, you may... I want to I wanna just, just add a little something because to, to mm-hmm. me what's striking is, you know, that we, we've, we've said and I mentioned it and I want to, you know, end with this note. The yes, yes, like here again you're doing the yes, yes, I'm doing yeah, yeah. I think the, the part that's very important in a way is that if you watch two people having this kind of active listening conversation in a language that you know nothing about, you will get the flavor of what they're doing because you will hear them, you will see them nodding, and you will see them say, yeah, yeah, you know, and they may actually be talking about difficult topics where they feel differently from each other. But that process of talking uh, creates a connection in which it is possible to feel connected even while talking about some things where we might be actually on different sides. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to stop you and, well, I can hold on to it. So this yes, yes that we were both doing, you can say, you can see it in a, uh, if you're watching two people in a language you don't even understand, having an active listening exchange, you'll see the yes, yes, and you'll know that even if they're talking about a disagreement or radically different things, they're still able to understand each other, to have that moment of yes, yes, of, of convergence again. So, uh, I guess I would say that's part of the magic for you, that uh, empathic listening, active listening, uh, brings people together, even if they're, maybe that they are respecting their difference, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can see, audience, how much Serge and I love doing this. We could go on forever. <laughs> it feels so good to be heard. Yeah. <laughs> So good to be heard. It's, it is for me, it's magical and, and life-giving. Yeah. And conflict resolution tool uh, is mainly why we're offering it to you today in this format. Now we're going to talk about another kind of listening, a mindful kind of listening to um, go deeper in a conversation. And I call this empathy focusing. In the other segments, uh, the last segment we talked about active listening, where the listener simply gives back uh, what the person is, is saying. And the speaker is mainly just trying to be understood. 
Now we're going to add Gendlin's focusing by the speaker. And the speaker is going to close their eyes, if possible, and really pay attention inside to what Gendlin calls a felt sense, the place of the pause, the place that is vague, pre-verbal, intuitive, doesn't have words yet. And then the listener is going to say back whatever the speaker, the, now I'm going to call him the focuser. He's not just a speaker. He's going beyond trying to be understood by another person. Now he's going deeper into understanding himself and could come up with change from there. So the listener will, will be reflecting. The focuser will be checking with the felt sense. Is it this? Is it that? And saying more words. And in this, uh, again, it's a simple method that you could do in the middle of a business meeting if someone's grappling for something they don't have words for yet. You could do it in an interpersonal situation where you're asking each other, well, what is it in me that got us into this struggle? And the person, each person would focus on that and sense into, well, what is it in me that got me in this struggle? So again, it's meant to be out in the world, a way of inserting Gentleman's focusing easily into situations. So I teach it. I teach uh, three main kinds of response, which I'll hope to demonstrate while Serge is the focuser. So if we were in a situation, I would invite Serge to close his eyes if he's comfortable doing that. And his job is to pay attention to that pre-verbal sensing inside and to deflect anything I say that drags him away from that. He doesn't need to be polite to me as the listener. His job is to hang on to this subtle pre-verbal sensing. So that's his job as the focuser. I also like to say to focusers, if any tears come up, even a slight sheen of tears, you might really pay attention to that place that often signals deeper meanings. But whatever, his job, close your eyes if you can, Hold on to your inner sensing and check whatever the listener says against it. So the first response I'm going to do as a listener is that same active listening, empathic, uh, reflective listening that Carl Rogers taught us. I'm going to do that three-fourths of the time. And I can remind myself because I don't want to get carried away at trying to do other things. The main thing is give the person empathic listening. However, sometimes I hear the focuser using the same word over and over. Like a focuser might be saying, God, I'm just so jealous. It just makes me so jealous. I just can't get over this jealous feeling. In that case, as the listener, I might encourage a deeper focusing simply by asking for more, I call it, about that word jealous. So as the listener, I might say, would it be okay to just stop and be with, no, that's the third one. Wait, sorry, that's that's my third intervention. This one is just called asking for more. So you would just say, would it be okay to say more about jealous? So you're allowing the focuser to pay attention to the place of where there's more implicit meaning. The third response is a slightly stronger intervention. I call it the focusing invitation. And in that case, you might say to the person, would it be okay to just stop and be with or sense into that jealous feeling? So I'm actually suggesting a pause, a deeper pause. And you can, uh, re, uh, audience, you can find a lot of instruction for this on my website and in my uh, inexpensive manual downloads, and we'll put all of that on the page, so I don't expect you to learn all this now. But now, I will just I will just repeat the three points you made because it's going to be for people to hear. That uh, as the listener, you know the three levels of intervention. One is simply a reflection, which is going to be very similar to the active listening we've talked about before. So just a kind of a playback. Two is asking for more you notice that the person is coming back to a certain theme. So would you want to say a little more about that? Mm -hmm. Okay. And the third one 
is um, you have an intuition as the listener that something is happening and you invite the focuser to just uh, stop and go deeper into this and make a pause to see what may come up. Mm-hmm. So what we're adding uh, beyond what the active listening lesson was, both the focuser and the listener have an understanding of Jenlin's philosophy of the implicit, that we have a wealth of wisdom that comes in a pre-verbal bodily feel, and that Jenlin's focusing is a way to pay attention to that and make words for that. So the listener is trying to facilitate focusing in the speaker. They're not trying to direct the content I'm not trying to get him to come up with a certain solution. I'm not trying to guide his solution. I am guiding him toward implicit felt meaning. I am trying to help him get out of just the words he already knows and to spend time with that place where new meanings can come from so something can change, be it a personal problem, uh, an interpersonal tension, or a group decision. So that's what's different. We both understand the role of implicit knowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to say any of that back, or, or do you think that's whatever? Up to yeah, you. yeah, no, I'm going to just, uh, that's something about that what's happening here uh, is uh, it's based on uh, an understanding of Jen Lin's philosophy of the implicit, which is essentially that uh, basically that stuff is going to unfold. And so what the listener is doing is not guiding the focuser in a certain way, but helping the focuser relax into letting that unfolding happen. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So um, we're going to try to demonstrate this. I'm, Telling myself, not, I'm not, I don't have to present a miracle here. I'm going to listen to Serge maybe for five minutes as opposed to like a longer time. And then likely he'll also do the same with me. I do want to say if you're in a group or an interpersonal situation where everybody has been told about the implicit as the source of the new, you could even in a business meeting ask people to go inside and check. What are your creative new ideas about this uh, situation? And then you could listen to each person on their creative implicit knowing. This is not just for therapy. I'll say that. Okay, Serge, if you would be uh, willing to, if you're comfortable, close your eyes. It's easier to pay attention to that implicit inner sensing, which often happens around the heart, uh, chest, core, center. So I'm going to give you a moment to just uh, be with that, sense down into that, and then you can speak uh, just whatever comes uh, just today from being here or whatever. So um, I experience this as a tightness, um, like a hollowness. Um, in the throat and heart area. So you're experiencing a tightness, and I think you said a, like a hollowness yeah. in the throat and heart area. And just paying attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that, you know, actually, as um, I hear it played back by you, um, it kind of becomes a bit lighter. So just hearing it back, that there's something tight, hollow in your throat, heart area, already it makes it lighter. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. it lighter. And I'm going to say to our audience, what I notice is that we want to really slow down. Now I want to be able to let Serge take a long time because he's sitting with this inner knowing. 
So in our other things, people were kind of going pretty fast. Now I just notice I want to give them lots of time for that inner sensing. So it already got lighter just from hearing it back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there is um, there is a sense of um, um, just um, um, of wanting more space for it. Of uh, you know, just I feel like uh, my hands want to to do that kind of gesture of the sense of um, making space. Um, and and to and and I, and I feel like as I'm making this gesture, um, it's it's kind of a rendition of mm, mm, widening, making space. Mm-hmm. So again, our audience doesn't get to see Serge as I'm being able to see him. But again, he's saying yes, hearing it back and spending a little time with it, it it brings. First, there's a lot of hmm, hmm, being with it, and a wanting to make a gesture, which I can't totally see, but I'm, he's describing it. You're describing it as a, a gesture of making space. You just want to make space for this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hollow, tight, whatever it is. You just want to make some space inside for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, as I am aware of both being in the experience of being the focuser, but also that there is an audience, you know, I'm adding a footnote that, you know, the details of what I'm dealing with, you know, I'm, it might be, I don't have to share. You know, I share only what I want to share. So this is, this can be a very private process. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but generally uh, speaking, so um, you know, right now um, I am feeling more and more of that sense of space and 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 solid, solid but not rigid. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're wanting to share with the audience that you don't have to say what the content is. If it's a life problem or whatever it is, you don't even have to name the content. You can still have this focusing process, this sitting with it and finding out something new for yourself without having to tell the whole world what it's about. And uh, I also want to just point out a little earlier, especially when he was, when Sir was paying attention inside, he was going, Hmm, hmm. It was also kind of like, hmm, what is this? And those are, that's the kind of thing people start saying when they're paying attention to implicit meaning. What is this whole thing about? Or, oh, it's something like, but they don't have the total words. You'll just notice. This is different from when you're just a speaker. Now he's a focuser. He's working on this something. So uh, I'm going to stay back, and then I'm going to just try to demonstrate my asking for more, even though it's not totally appropriate here. I'm just going to try to demonstrate it. So, Serge, you wanted to point out that you don't have to tell everybody your most private things in order to have some focusing time. You can still be in your process and have the listener keep you company without even divulging what it what it's all about in terms of content. Yeah. And then you're also saying, as you've been sitting there with it, paying attention to this whole thing in the center of your body or wherever you're experiencing it, this hollow tightness, this making space gesture with your hands has led you to feel more space and more solid in a good way. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to try to ask for more, but I'll say to my audience, it would have been easier to just say, can you say more about that hollow? Or now I could say, could you say more about that solid? And this points out a beautiful thing, that when you're doing focusing, often different sides, different aspects of a conflict or whatever appear, different parts you could call it. And as a listener, you can uh, work with the person to decide which of those they want to follow. So I'm going to try it saying, uh, would you like to say more about that solid? 
Yeah, yeah. So, so actually, the the hollow has disappeared. It's replaced by mm-hmm. the solid, and uh, um, you know, it's coming up more articulate than it would be if I, you know, I had a time to think as you were talking and explaining what you're doing to the audience. So it comes up more articulate than it would would have otherwise. But that sense of, you know, say, like a flat balloon that has air, so flat would have been hollow, and now it's kind of full of air, and it's not hollow. It's more solid. Mm-hmm. So I asked you to say more, and you also said you, you had time to sit with it, and more came. And what you have is an image of a balloon, that it's a balloon that started out flat, no air in it, and that was this hollow feeling, tight and hollow, but now with this giving space and the becoming more solid, it's as if air has entered into that balloon and inflated it, made it lighter and more solid. Yeah, so so actually it's interesting because that's a great example. When you say lighter, I have a no. And I'm coming back. I didn't say lighter. And, uh-huh. and that's a perfect demonstration of what you said. It's like really a sense of wanting to push back. It's like, no, mm-hmm. they didn't understand uh-huh. me, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not lighter. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and it's really the, but, but it, it, you know, having the no also helps me articulate better what it is as opposed mm-hmm. to what it's not. And yeah. it's that sense of, you know, it's it's expanding from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So something you wants to say, no, no, I didn't say lighter. It's not lighter. And that also is leading you to check and say, well, if it's not lighter, what is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what comes up, it's the way it would be if some, if a balloon or something expanded from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. More spacious. And, uh, you know, and again, there's a no, you know, yeah. and it's interesting. So, um, you know, and it's, uh, you know, just a, a second ago you were saying it and I'm finding out, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you say more spacious, say no. And it's mm-hmm. not the same quality of no. It's more, mm-hmm. no, you know, it, not quite that, you know, mm-hmm. I, but that sense I didn't say that. Okay, um, now I'm just for purpose of demonstration, I'm going to, Ask him to do my third thing. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not totally appropriate to rush like this. But I'm going to say back, boy, again, it comes up, no, no, not as harsh, not as strongly. But again, no, no, that doesn't fit. No, not, not exactly that. So, uh, and I kind of lost something there, which is because as a listener, you do feel a little like, oh my God, I didn't do it right. So I'll just acknowledge that to my audience as well. I'm just going to try to set that side, and Serge will get me back on track if I'm too far off track. So I'm going to ask, would it be okay to just sit quietly and go more deeply into the body feel of this whole thing about expanding from the inside out? It's not just being light. It's not just being full. It's something else. Would it be okay just to sit with it for a minute, really be with it, and then let your words come from there? Yeah, and so I'm going to take a moment, but first I want to express that, the wanting to express, yeah, it would be okay. Mm-hmm. So first you want to say, yes, it would be okay for me to take your instruction. Yes. It's important for you to say that. Yes, I'm making a choice mm-hmm. to do this going deeper. It's an, an, it feels an right. invitation. It feels right. The invitation feels right. And I can take it or leave it. Yeah. And I decided yeah. to take it. Great. Okay, so if you'd like to just mm-hmm. take a moment to just sit quietly and be with it and see what comes. Mm-hmm. This whole, whole mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. about from flat and hollow to expanding from the inside out. So it's very satisfying in a way that it feels hard to find words to describe. And I can find words, 
Um, but there are only, you know, little approximations of what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's it feels a sense, this, that, Okay, go ahead. There's mm-hmm. a sense of, um, of fullness. Um, but not full meaning like you're too full or it's too full. But, um, full as opposed to empty. Um, um, it's hard to find the words, but there's a, it's a, there's something that feels very wholesome, very, um, very, you know, solid, not rigid, very, um, taking space, uh, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. So let me say that back. And again, as a teaching note, just look, the man is struggling with a very sturdy felt referent. We may call it vague and pre-verbal, all these genuine words, but it is resilient. It's right there. He can pay attention to it. He can come back to it later, and it's going to tell him if the words are right. And he's saying, I can't really put this whole thing into words. They will just be approximations. It's, it's more than the words I have right now. But there's something about it. It's a kind of fullness, but not like being too full, eating too much, being too full. It's a wholesome feeling of being filled up in a good way. And it is solid. That word comes again. There's something solid about it and and wholesome about this kind of fullness. And and I and you know again as I, I, I nod as you talk and then something I feel I notice like the word solid but not rigid. The not rigid was missing. Uh-huh. And so um but you know which is important to add, you know, for me. But there's a great satisfaction about you know in a way I can express it more in um in a gesture um, of saying, say, um, if you touch clay or if you touch a pot or if you, you know, that you feel like there's something there. Mm-hmm. So it's very satisfying to be with this feeling of fullness. And it was important to you that I didn't say it back quite right. You said solid but not rigid. And that's important to what this whole thing is about or is like. It's satisfying, it's full, it's maybe fulfilling, it's solid but not rigid, and it's even more than I can put into words. Yeah, and it's um, it's not just, um, you know, that it's like, it's like, you know, the, the sense of touching something. Ah, I missed that. Okay. He's trying to, you're trying to find an image or a metaphor or a gesture for it. And it would be, uh, like touching. And did you say like touching a piece of clay? Yeah, something that is, you know, it's like touching or touching a ball, for instance, that's not super inflated. It's, it's a, it's flexible enough. It's, it's really, you know, it's not something that's going to collapse when you touch it or fold in. But it's not so rigid, so there is, it has a little bit of give. So mm. it's like you're touching it; it's very present. But there's um, kind of, um, um, you know, like flexibility. So there's a give and take, kind of. Mm-hmm. And that brings a little bit, of, even of a smile. Those mm-hmm. and those words are fitting. It's as if you were touching a piece of clay. It would be solid. It would be there solidly, but it would also have some give. It would not be rigid or inflexible. It would be there, very solid, but also flexible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if we could just come to a stopping place pretty yeah, soon. yeah. Yeah, no, that feels right. That feels and, good. And often we say in a focusing turn, would you like to put a flag in there? Uh, make that uh, the best image you can that would help you go back there and spend more time with this? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, another no, time. The image feels very clear. This was something I could uh-huh. come back to. 
All right. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Uh, so I want to say in a teaching way, we don't even know what Serge was working on initially. And this could be a, a creative idea. I'm not going to talk about Serge. I'll just say, imagine that you're in a business and you're with your engineer, your resource and development people. And the guy is saying, God, I got something. I got something really good, really creative, but I just can't find the words for it. This is where you would wish all the colleagues would understand focusing and Jenlin's uh, philosophy of the implicit about this very real-world factual thing. What's the next step in terms of engineering here? <laughs> and you would invite your engineer. You know, it's okay that you don't have the words for it. It's an intuition. Yay! New things come from there. And you would say, okay, would you like to just take some time to sit with that, the part that you can't say? To sit with that sense of there's something new here. And then do empathic listening. Serge. And I I want to say in a way um, that somebody who doesn't know this and... um, might listen to it, might say it's really weird. Because mm-hmm. here we are, uh, you know, just silences and talking about these weird things and what does this have to do with, um, you know, discussing uh, creative ideas or business ideas. And it might actually be intimidating for people to listen to this. So um, uh, I want to add that... Um, if, you know, in a way to people who don't know this, um, the best possible way I think that you can take it is to say that even the moment that feel the most um, inarticulate and, um, you know, in a way kind of stupid or regressed for you, uh, those moments where you're dancing at the edge of finding words and only weird things come up, can be actually a source of amazing productivity. So mm-hmm. it's not about, uh, you know, trying to make it uh, a mysterious process and saying it has, you have to speak mumbo-jumbo for it to work. But, you know, to say even if actually those moments where you can only express yourself in mumbo-jumbo are precious and it's about, uh, you know, making the space for... Um, you know, allowing that mumbo-jumbo to to uh, unfold. Yes. Uh, and it, mm-hmm. it's going to bring you to some place that other people may not immediately understand, and it doesn't really matter. The point is it's about helping you go forward with it. And mm-hmm. from that place, then you're going to be in a better place to actually express it in a way that other people can understand it and take action on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, our watchers were not able to see Serge's face as I was. So he had his eyes closed most of the time, although sometimes he would open them and more when he was telling me what was going on. You could also see some size in his body some, and satisfaction on his face. Um, but, but what was most palpable to me watching his face is that he was paying attention to something inside and probably around his chest heart area. Otherwise, it does seem stupid. I mean, why are people sitting around with their eyes closed? Well, because that is the best way to pay attention to the new intuitive knowledge that doesn't have words, and that is the most creative knowledge so uh, and also in the culture now and let's say again in businesses at least mindfulness is entering into the mainstream it now becomes possible to say at a business meeting would could we all just maybe close our eyes and be quiet for a minute and just kind of be mindful of what's going on in us before we start So that is a tiny step toward making it okay to close your eyes and go inside in everyday situations. And that is like a major shift for the culture that we can validate and make not crazy and weird this sourcing of inner wisdom 
that is so creative. So, so Cassie, I think that's a wonderful point I want to, to emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in this process when there is a listener, but in all those moments, which become more frequent now, where, uh, you know, we have a moment of going inside, okay? And I think, if anything, maybe the value of this little demo is to show that the inner process of going inside, um, you know, is something that is chaotic and um, a little weird. And so even when we don't have a listener, when we don't voice it, and we're on our own, say, in a business meeting and going inside. You know, mm-hmm. what might happen is our inner critic might be judging it. Oh, my God, what kind, oh, what kind of mumbo-jumbo, idiotic stuff this is. And to really, um, having demonstrated it, to show that this is actually what happens when we go inside and to welcome those moments of, uh, you know, floating in that kind of space because in a way it's like a kaleidoscope where as it gets jumbled up, you know, something new can emerge. Yes, the kaleidoscope is one of my favorite images for Jen Lin's whole focusing process. You turn it and suddenly everything is new. And from out of that, you can have new action steps. Now we're going to, uh, to go into uh, changing roles where I am the listener and Kathy, you are the focuser. All right, and we're going to have a short time, but we wanted you to be able to see what the focuser looks like. Mm-hmm. Serge just did a wonderful turn, but we couldn't see his face. So here I am. So I'm going to be the focuser. Serge will be my listener. I'm going to close my eyes. I'll even take off these glasses. I'm going to close my eyes. And I'm going to pay attention to what Jenlin calls the felt sense, the bodily knowing, the implicit, intuitive, vague place without words. So I'm just going to ask myself, what do I want to say about all of this right now? And I'm going to be quiet and just pay attention. And Serge is going to give me that quiet time. Eyes are closed, but I'm not looking up in my head. I'm looking down in the center of my body for something that wants uh, to be made into words. Yeah, and so a comment I would make to the audience is as we're looking at Kathy, um, we're noticing that there's a sense of listening or sensing, that, um, you know, there is that sense of sensing what might be happening. And even just taking this moment to close my eyes, I've already sighed a couple of times. Real relaxation responses just from going inside to spend a little time with myself. So, so again, to the audience, you know, it's not like anything, seems, seems like nothing is happening. And what is happening is that process of shifting um, from outer-directed to inner-directed, the going inside, going down, listening, sensing, and that in itself is valuable. And you can't see it, but I'm kind of naturally holding my hands in a kind of an open holding gesture in front of my diaphragm heart center, as if my whole body is welcoming whatever's going to come there. So, sir, maybe you could just reflect that, just say that back. Yeah, yeah. So you're holding your hands, uh, and you have that sense of your whole body welcoming what is going to be happening.
comes. And what comes is there's just a sense uh, that there was such a sense of graciousness to the interactions that Serge and I have just had about passive listening and active listening and empathic reflection and focusing. Our whole interaction for like an hour and a half has been so gracious and uh, and empathic in a sea of uh, like chaos in the political situation and the world situation I'm in. That's what comes the most deeply is, oh, that was so gracious of an interaction. Mm-hmm. So that sense of so gracious, so gracious, you know, and especially in contrast to the chaos we're in. Mm-hmm. So gracious. And I feel in my right jaw where I often carry tension. I feel a little clinching, wavering there. Almost, it could almost be tearful about the stress of all of this politics here in 2017. Um, so I'm noticing that. But I'm not wanting to go there right now. I'm just wanting to stay with this body gesture of holding and uh, holding what it feels like to be gracious and empathic. So maybe you could say yeah, that. Yeah. So, so that sense of um, um, the 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 holding, the clenching in the jaw, where you often have stress. So that sense of stress, you know, and um, but not wanting to go to the stress and to the the politics, but going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I want to make a little comment in terms of uh, a couple of comments. When you notice um, that uh, you know, as Kathy is talking, there's also the the fingers having that gesture. So that perception, this is not a concept, it's not a conceptual idea, that tension, but the whole body is in touch with that mm-hmm. tension. Mm-hmm. And um, there is also a sense of, you know, here's what I feel, but also an intentionality of saying, I'm not necessarily determined by this feeling, I want to explore something else, and an intentionality to go there. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we we know we only have about ten minutes for this, Serge and I. So I just want to say to myself and to anybody watching, if I went into that place that might even want to cry, I would come out of that refreshed. To have instead of carrying that as a tightness in my jaw, to have spent warm focusing time with it and to let it unfold, even if it's into some kind of maybe even tearful despair, (laughs) just the letting it be fully expressed in my body would be healing. I would, I would say, thank you body. (laughs) I'm glad to have let that, let that pass through and now I'm ready to go on. I'm ready to go on. (laughs) You could say that back. And so, so I'm both saying it back, but also um, you know, because you said it as also partly as a as a teaching moment, that um, there is a quality of accepting what is and mm-hmm. not you know, avoiding the the difficult feeling, but actually embracing it. Um, and uh, as you were talking, there's actually a sense of expanding and satisfaction in connecting with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I also so, want to make the point of a, you're 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 saying you know a couple of times and and you can reflect that so you know it is very much a process where as the focuser you're very much in charge and you can train 
you know, tell the listener what you need at this moment. You know, I want some reflecting, I need some more time. You know, this is very much a, an inner directed process in that way. And in our part three, I talked about three different kinds of response, asking for reflecting, asking for more, and giving a focusing invitation. And as an experienced focuser, I can do that for myself. I can say, hmm, I think I want to say more about the grateful, the gracious. Mm-hmm. I can give that instruction to myself. Or I can say, okay, wait a minute, Serge. I really just need to sit here with this for a moment, with this tension in my jaw. You know, don't say anything. Just let me be with it. Give myself a focusing invitation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the focuser is really in charge. I'm concerned about our time. I know you have other things you have to turn to as well. Let me know. Do we have, what's our time here? We have a few minutes. Okay. So, so, you know, actually maybe, maybe, you know, we could, we, we will stop it because there is an element of pressure that's introduced there. And mm-hmm. my sense of it is I have a tremendous satisfaction as to the, even the short demo uh, that we did this way because what you were showing is the process in action mm-hmm. and uh, in a way that when you hear it described um, you know does not do justice to it uh, there's something about seeing you go through it uh, seeing you feel seeing you relax seeing you express what you want, you know, that in a way uh, is a very powerful demonstration mm-hmm. that this is a very active process. Often when we think about listening and uh, we think, oh, listening, contemplation, paying, turning inside is massive as opposed to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, listen, there's a negative connotation of like, uh, you know, just, uh, oh, concerned about little inside stuff, uh, belly aching, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually a moment where my sense of it, if I had to, to describe it, is it's the embodiment of what a pause is um, that is very active and out of which a lot can unfold because mm-hmm. you're, you're really putting your not just your finger but your whole sensing, your whole body-mind in touch with what is alive and uh, what is going to unfold. So I want to invite people mm-hmm. who, you know, watched you to either review it again or remember it as a sense of that embodied process of getting in touch with what is alive in you and what is unfolding uh, and that you're listening to and making happen. And that we will give a lot of references where you can watch more videos, you can see longer sessions. So this is just uh, the tip of the iceberg. And I appreciate that Serge pointed out how full body it is. My gesturing is all part of it. And also we saw how different parts or different aspects of yourself appear and that a lot of focusing is learning to make space for every part. Give each part a little time and then they will shift the kaleidoscopal turn. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com.